0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Left Coast Media Collective, part of the Critical Mediations Network. To connect with us, follow the collective on Twitter at leftpod or email us at leftcoastpodcast at gmail.com. Our work is supported by our Patreon subscribers, including a KGB operative, Helping Comrades, Frank Madero, Casey, and PJ Hale. You can become a supporter by visiting patreon.com slash media. Collective members include Antifa Pope, Communal Source, Checker Informant, Incar Country, Potato Rain, Outer Siberia,
1: Rosa, and RRRN. I don't mind yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And welcome back to another episode of the North Bay I am, as always, your comrade Tiberius Gracchus Here with me today, I have my co-host, Erstwhile Ern, And we're joined by our guest today, Garrett Go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us where you're coming from and what you're doing
1: Hello, my name is Garrett Winters I'm an autistic activist And currently a student at Sonoma State so
0: we're talking today about a couple of things, mostly about issues with the interaction between um, oppressed groups and the left, specifically around uh, neurodivergent folks like yourself, people who have autism and other similar uh, issues and disabilities. So give us a, give us an idea of sort of where you came into the left and how you got to one of the active members of our DSA chapter here locally
1: so i've been an autistic activist for about five years now um doing what i can to help autistics and it started out against the narrative of autism being bad until trump came in who is an anti-vaxxer was supported by andrew wakefield who made the autism vaccine connection called his doctor inflicted made his new word for us it's fun And so, the activism needed to become against the system, not just the narrative. So, I and a lot of autistic activists and disabled activists in general ended up becoming part of Radical Left.
0: We were talking earlier about the way that folks in in your situation or in the autistic or disabled communities or other, um, oppressed minorities sort of get into the left is a little bit different from how a lot of the rest of us do where it is, it's less about these theoretical based critiques of the economic system and more about a reaction to like lived experience.
1: Yeah. It's, it's about, it's not about theory, but as much about trying to, fight the systems that's keeping us marginalized which is definitely a different route which does lead to different experiences in my personal experience
2: it's good for some of us to be reminded that these fights have very immediate um, ramifications and implications one question i would have is given that we are learning how to um, make spaces and adapt our environments to be more inclusive. And before this point, that has been, I think lacking even in spaces in the left, what has the left been missing out and what would be the experience of people that maybe wanted to get involved, but found that it was just too hard or it was just too unwelcoming. There's actually a lot of
1: accessibility issues. First thing that comes to mind, say a few things but the main thing is there's a lot of focus on in-person activism and devaluation of all their forms the term activism comes to mind but the thing is like for a lot of disabled people and many different ways in-person activism rallies and riots and the like is very inaccessible for me i have um, sensory difficulties with like sound and lots of people. People social anxiety also can't handle lots of people, that kind of thing. Just people in wheelchairs can't exactly be going on the street. But also there's a lot of different ways that people can be activists, especially in the 21st century where we have the internet, where like I'm a writer and blogger about different issues which while it's not on the street does end up reaching and having an effect on thousands of people and is just as big of an effect as other types of activism but is often devalued um another thing that has been inaccessible to hell is a lot of the reliance on theory on like you need to be able to read this to write, basically because I have ADHD, I struggle with the currently two classes that I'm focusing on reading stuff for them because I can't keep my head on things. Keeping on Das Kapital is not <laughs> exactly in the cards. But also, I believe that books on theory is really like an in a lot of ways. Like a lot of the people are trying to reach the working class. They might be single parents. Who need to spend all their time taking care of their kids or work multiple jobs. And there's a lot of different factors that will make it so they can't do that. My f- life focus is more on what I call tactical activism, basically, like analyzing ways to actually reach people and pr- make change for my community intersectionally, like trying to work on fighting for trans autistics and autistic color and other. Um, uh, marginalizations, and the last thing is for autistics especially. I was lucky enough for the mainstream society to go to a school called Nova for autistics. Learn social skills and like how to deal with main social situations in the normal neurotypical world. Once we entered leftism and leftist circles, there was. A completely different set of expectations, a completely different set of social rules, different vocabulary, which you're supposed to already know, and not a lot of tolerance for not being able to get those right away. Like, I'm generally well-spoken and activist, but even then, I have the wrong things and automatically really, like, launched upon and lost people, which is part for the course in society in general but
0: dealing with a lot of things like um you should know this already it's not my job to teach you go do your own research kind of things like yeah. that kind of that kind of hostility to um, um experiences yeah, but, that you're not already familiar with
1: yeah but at um but at the same time like for th- it's one thing but i do like when you're talking about like asking marginalized people talk for their own marginalizations in general like i do get why a lot of activists don't want to talk because it is a very personal thing um as an autistic activist i never do that because the main organization that controls the airwaves and narrative autism speaks is literally hate group should i say more about that
2: I definitely want to hear about that. But yeah, yeah, I have a couple thoughts too. Yeah.
1: They're a eugenics group. Yeah, That they're... I mean, usually... That's actually the reason for my red shoes and shirt and headphones. And everything is literally because... Some of the fun things that they've done. Um, they've had an ad called Autism Every Day. That had a lot of parents talking horrible stuff about their kids. Instead of... Including one saying that she thought of driving her autistic daughter off of a bridge with her daughter in her lap, saying the only thing stopping her was having an illistic or non autistic daughter. And there's a lot of other horrible things that I could go into detail, but I've also, I'll link you the toolkit I made to help people fight supporters, because I made a toolkit with like five things I've written and a lot of other resources to explain the various details but basically like because they and other problematic organizations will be on the first page and probably second as autistic activists i do not have the luxury to tell people because to go to google because they will be so i gather resources and talk about the issues and make myself the point of contact for everyone to not lead them into xenophobia and
2: anti ableism. So there's very very um real stakes I guess. Yeah. Which is why you have to probably um, be as vocal as, as you can. Yeah, even when it's not comfortable.
1: Yeah, I mean thankfully I mean I'm literally going into education. I'm planning on teaching at the school I mench- mentioned actually. So like telling people and teaching real stuff is I-, I like doing it. Um Well, it's not visible, obviously, on podcasts. Like, I wear red shirts and shoes and stuff because light up blue for um, autism awareness in April sort of thing. And that's coming up. Don't do that. Um, Autistics have made autism acceptance movements because you know we exist. But there's a lot of issues, so we need to be accepted, like, red instead. So I've literally built that into my aesthetic to use that to talk about the issues with this organization but it is difficult um sometimes and generate soul killing at other times to like talk about and this stuff so like with other marginalized people that do your like go, when they're talking about their own stuff like go to google and stuff like that i understand that because there's other people for them at least that have taken the time and labor to write and explain stuff. but definitely when it comes to like things like theory and the like, it is inaccessible as hell and I we feel it's expected that you understand this stuff. it's expected that you'll understand social situations, like the different like very new, very different social rules i don't know if people even think about that if they're not autistic um because things come naturally to people but for me it's been trial and error and i will admit there's a lot of error and i recognize some of it's on me but it's also
2: completely inaccessible realm so one one big thing that i always go to is like you were saying about theory and the whole sort of norms and and um Interpersonal dynamics that we have in left circles. If you just went out and walked outside and went to some random person who's a working class person, who's people that we need to maybe get on our side, or um and you started talking to them about the issues that we talk about on Twitter or at meetings, they would be like, "What do you even talk like? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, how do you translate? How do you make these ideas?" Digestible and not just so that you can understand things like economics or activism, but also. Um, and the pitch has got to be in a few sentences. How do you convey to someone that what we're trying to do is going to help you in your situation, in your life, in a very real, measurable way? And that is, I think, a challenge on the left. And so to hear um, you talk about it from this perspective it it very much mirrors that and it it illuminates it for me it's
1: yeah it's definitely like that is very much the case is that one of the things about accessibility in general is that when you make something more accessible to disabled people it inherently benefits everyone else like if you don't rely as much on theory that's going to make it so it's going to be life-saving in some ways for us but also it's going to help other people who aren't disabled as well. Common things like ramps for disabled people also create a different avenue for people to walk up and like other things. Also, focusing like what is important to the common person? Because on my page and stuff, like I've attracted an audience of a mixture of different communities because I've gone to different places on Facebook, skeptic, leftist, and autistic activist communities. So, like, I am very, very careful about what language I use. If I'm going to use a term that I know that people don't know, I've used parentheticals, but this is what that means. So I have an inline explanation of that term, so I can use that but also inform people about it and then continue what I need to say. Um, there's a lot of different tools that people could use to, like, make it better but ableism is something that a lot of people hold and it's difficult sometimes to get people to actually listen. Especially because a lot of things that seem like not big deals to people can be life altering for the better or much worse. So you were talking
0: about issues like the focus on physical events, rallies, and, you know, to an extent, quote unquote, riots, these kinds of things, as uh, being sort of inherently like inaccessible. And you are also talking about how in, I think, particularly online spaces, people have been quite hostile to you and other people with perhaps reading or learning disabilities, uh, who can't interact or Get into the the kind of theory that, quote unquote, real leftists are supposed to know.
1: Ha- I'd, I'd like to make it clear that this is not just me. Like I speak. Well, right. Yeah. Because yeah. like I actually, there's a lot of people, a lot of autistics that I have found at the fringes of leftism, where they're at this point where they realize the system screwed up, and they want to do something about it. They want to undo the system, but. Because of these issues, they are basically stopped at the wall. And because I'm a blogger and a very out-and-loud activist, I have kind of entered the side door of leftism because I have found that autistic activists do not really exist. Like, activist voices do not really exist within leftism, and, well, that's because all the reasons I've said it. So but there's a lot of who people who don't have the same privileges of already having an audience and like doing the same things that need these things just as much and would be welcome and very very useful to these movements because the passion for social justice and trying to make a difference is something that runs very strong in my community. But they and we, because I'm still, I exist in this weird space of being included, but also not being able to be one, we could do some good if the left was actually open enough for us to actually be part of it.
0: Well, I'd like to put a pin on that. I think I want to have that particular point right there. You know, the reason why we need to be accessible for for everybody who, who exists along, you know, marginalized lines within class society. But before we actually get to that, I I kind of want to double back and, you know, t- talk about the lacking uh, nature of the left's pedagogy, where when you go back and, and you read a lot of the sort of like the Ur texts, They're very difficult to get into, and Marxism in particular is is really difficult to get into, which is, I think, a huge blind spot for us. Because I personally feel that having a grounding in Marxism is really important because it allows us to have a way to methodologically critique and examine the structures of society in, in a way that allows us to build a...
1: Uh, theory of how we actually go about changing society there is something well something that people who believe that theory is very important could do is maybe take these things and distill them because because like that's one of the things that i do on my blog is i take concepts that are like intersectionality and because i'm marginalized activists like different types of allies and things like respectability politics and these key terms and i explained them so like people could put some work into like writing out like what are the basics of this thing something that would be readable that would be able to get people on the same page without just handing them the book because it is possible to take complex things that are important and put them in a language that anybody can understand.
0: Right. And that was really exactly what I was going to ask you. That you know, you sort of preempted me on that. And so but I, I kind of wanted to, to get you because I know I know that this is a lot of what you have been doing or you know, beyond just saying, well, we need to explain things in a little bit more detail in sort of lay language, what are the sort of ways that for anybody who understands theory and thinks that they have a sort of ability to to actually start explaining things to people what are the ways in which we could actually sit down and explicate these dense theories in a way that people who don't have a, a background in like philosophy or other uh, liberal arts or or creative arts can actually access
1: well i mean first like th- you need to like think about what Are the key points in it that you actually want to draw attention to and focus on those? For instance, I could say a lot more about Autism Speaks, but I rely on these are the the punchier things that are actually going to be heard and affect people um, instead of going to budget and all of random details. But for like, if you're like doing like written stuff, my main tool always. Um has been parentheticals for like when you're like using a a very simple way to ground people in advanced terminology is to write something that involves the words, but also like put like parentheses. Okay, this is what the word means. I mean, that actually does a lot because you have the word in context and the definition and that helps. I do that deliberately with listic a lot which means not autistic Um, i always use it and then put in parentheses not autistic because that normalizes the term for in-person talk um yeah it's just like think about what do i need to get across there's a lot of information out there in these books and stuff what is actually going to like affect the person and change them or get to my side and my side and think about like also that part your goal because because like just talking about the subject just to talk is not going to get people's attention like in english we learn different types of essays with different types of goals and that's something that like If you want to focus on getting them against the capitalist system, think about your audience. If they're in a place that is mainly worker exploitation, then think about, okay, this is what works and it will actually, they'll care about. And also just like simplify your language as much as possible. It's difficult at times, I know. In order to keep attention, like even like start people on even like paying attention to you. I generally do what I do in English is try to hook like create something that instant connection first something that relies and then use that to build into your
2: actual like points of what you want to get to them and and for if you're interpersonally I find that asking people questions about themselves is the absolute best way to do that yeah definitely
0: Right. Sort of taking the the concepts that you want to get across and figuring out a way to ground that in context and the lived experience of the audience that you're trying to get to.
1: I I do this all the time, but also like an an example of my like my hook, um, when I'm trying to get liberals on the edge of going against capitalism, I talk about how I've written things about respectability politics and how the system, how people need to riot or, like, vandalize because the system values broken windows over broken lives. So, like, I connect, I connect, I use my writing stuff I've done because they're interested in me to go into something that people care about, social justice, about people hurting. And then I use that to connect to try to, like, start to think about the inhumanity of the capitalist system and its care more about products over people
2: so what i what i think i'm getting is these interactions that we have be more deliberate about them
1: yeah that's what i that's what i constantly like because i am an activist that's my main key is trying to convince people so like i go into every single interaction thinking deliberately about what how i can use my stuff to get people to like tactically I call it tactile activism because of that is because like what tactics can I use to convince people and I do like basically I have literally used like my aesthetic like why do I because people notice that I have abundance of red and they don't ask and I use well the reason for this is and then use that to talk about autism speaks and issues. So like go in with a purpose figure out how you can best achieve that purpose because most people can't just be got because you want to inform them and educate them and at the moment i think there is a need for focus on actionable knowledge right. in leftism in i mean in general like for all time but especially in this current political system and with the uh, whole entire climate change 12 years thing there needs to be a
2: focus on how can we use our words to do things right so things that might just seem mundane quotidian like talking to another person in the in the context of activism or if you're at a meeting or at a rally that just are maybe natural to us we should what i'm getting from you is by all of us learning how to be more inclusive and find ways to communicate that don't alienate people, we will then be better at just getting more people on our side, which Very is much so. vital.
1: And that's been my experience because I've had people, because that is the key to my writing. I've had people come to me and tell me that this thing hasn't been explained at all and they've been confused as hell, but because I make it my purpose to explain things, I'm breaking down a lot of these barriers on my own with my writing, because it's possible. It is very possible to think about, oh, this is a term that the common person might not understand, and then break down its root foundations, and why it matters to them, and why it matters to society, and to acting against the system, because there's a lot of people who are discontented yeah. even even in the liberals but that is a good jumping point right now yeah. um, I'm no accelerationists I don't want things to get worse because <laughs> people are dying and will continue to die but
0: and the worst affected are always us exponentially more affected when you get into situations of what people call like accelerationism, that as mm. things get bad, they get bad worse for the people already on the margins of society exactly. before they get bad enough for the people within the mainstream to really feel it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's like for assistant like guy, you can do that, but that's because your body, your people aren't the ones that are going to be dying. And that's the main issue I have with it is that like I, my community, a lot of my friends, if things keep getting worse we're going to be the casualties of
2: that yeah so like i said very real stakes very real yeah i mean day to day stakes and there's there's your hook honestly when you're trying to get you know i mean just bring bring to mind the life or death ramifications of of these battles um it seems like the radical left has been Insular and sectarian and inaccessible Very to, much so. to all sorts of groups um, for the last few decades because they've, I think that's directly related to the lack of power they've had. Zero. I mean, they've re- basically had no effect on anything in the broader political world. And now that that is slowly starting to change, it's a good time to actually examine the way we interact because I, I see power slowly starting to build and we need to fold people in that before just were not considered vital or if, if they don't understand what we're saying you know like you show up to a a meeting of some group because you're interested and you find people arguing over secondary like soviet figures and and like all of these like no i i don't know I, I that was my experience honestly like yes uh mm-hmm. it, Stalinist murdered about, the Spanish yeah, Revolution. All, all and, that stuff, and I I do care about that now as I learned more about it. But I was like, what
1: about today?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. But yeah,
1: like honestly, like maybe the left has more power now. But this these things are how you gain power. Right. Is how you reach people. So maybe like if we if there was a focus on that in the past couple of decades, then there would have been more power now because it would have had more people. Mm -hmm. Because for me, like, my skin is in the game in this. Like, once the Nazis started rising up, I was literally counting how many ways would they want me dead. Mm. And I'm trans, non-binary, I'm disabled, and I'm gay. So, that's three. What I really care about is trans disabled, Jewish, wow. Um, so like all the things, and so like this stuff is not theoretical. This is literally like our lives Mm -hmm. are on the line. And so I'm never, I've never really been focused on Stalin or the like, because it's like shit's happening now and it's getting worse and the world is burning basically for a lot of people and I can't focus on the merits of like how bad Stalin was when there's so much disenfranchisement amongst the people I care about as somebody who's more focused on marginalized people, connected to them. So yeah, there's a lot of things which might be relevant in other circles. Might even be relevant that I just can't connect to. Um, I recognize that, but still, there should be a lot more focus on the present day and like what we can do to fight the system and not. I mean, a big thing for me has been trying to get people to turn that discontent with Trump into recognizing that Trump is just showing the face of how america's been a problem because that i think that's another big thing for us is that liberals who have issues with trump are going to be folk folk they think that the bigotry and everything is going to be impeached or is going to be voted away next year if he gets taken out i mean um doesn't get reelected, not taken out. I totally don't want. <laughs> I totally don't want the other option. Truly, because this is live. But I think a lot of focus needs to be on getting them to realize that um, Trump is a system. Is a symptom of the problem of a country that fuels and feeds off of systemic oppression, and bigotry, and use that to make
2: it so they join us in fighting the long game it's the hardest thing i mean i i, I literally think they just want trump gone because they don't want to be reminded of the violence inherent to america being the dominant A lot power of them in the do. world like i have to be honest i i don't know how to ask or phrase this but what would be so for example like specifically uh, um like if we got more and more autistic people that want to be part of the left to come in like Um, besides just the sort of benefits of being able to be more accessible because things are more clear, what other benefits could, could that bring? Um, I mean, like the more diversity, the better, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sure you thought about this. Well, the
1: thing with the autistic community is that there's a large social justice bent. There's a large, like doing what we can to, um, fight to make things better um that is something that i love about it and so by making it more accessible you're going to be tapping into a community that is largely built around doing what we can to make people better because like a lot of us have there's stereotype we have no em- empathy um a lot of us do have like high empathy and like really put ourselves in our shoes and also high compassion which is different which is actually caring about people like we want to do stuff i know so many autistics which are frustrated because they see leftism is like doing good things and they want to be part of it hmm. but they can't yeah and it, it is very frustrating t- because i exist at this sort of this bridge in my personal experience um, between people who are doing good work that I've connected to and a lot of people who want to but aren't able to make people listen to them no matter how informed on leftism they are.
2: So what are some examples of actions? Because you were talking earlier about these very immediate, almost violent confluences of people, rallies, marches. What are other incarnations of what we would call an action as opposed to sort of just the discourse that could be more inclusive even if they exist outside you know like on the internet or or even if you we create other I don't know I well, mean well, and I kind of want to
0: make this a, a little bit more explicit and to say that when we talk about the way that we go about our education and the way that we go about bringing people in it is not just about bringing people in for the sake of bringing people in, we have to make sure that our work is grounded in the material conditions that people actually exist in.
1: So, yes. So, um, one thing that I was going to mention is um, when it comes to, like, organizational spaces. Like, recently I did meet with our local DSA chapter, which was great. Um, And so that's one thing that, like, people can bring in
0: and you don't have to sugarcoat it for us. Like, we're all about the ruthless critique of all that exists here. Yeah. So,
1: There was a lot of things that were there that, like, were also not explained. Like, circles and, like, other things that were, like... I was confused as hell half the time. But, I mean, stuff like that is just definitely um, useful. I do think that, like, the DSA does have a Google group, which is great. Um... I think that's something that leftist spaces, leftist organizations should really think about is investing work in having a digital presence. For a lot of autistics, we can't drive. So getting to events even is like, I can, but situations like right now with the rain, gets so overloading that I was really using my headphones while driving because it was the only way I could actually handle it. So, like, I think that something that Left of Circles, which this chapter's done, need to do is create a digital presence. Create maybe a group or have a page or disseminate things online because, trust me, you reach a lot of... You can reach a lot of people if you have... Well written, easily, easily digestible stuff on the net. Online, you can reach people across the globe. So I think that's something that really needs to be worked on, that could be cultivated, as, that's not explored. I know there's also the issues of OPSEC, of like keeping things secure as well. That's difficult with that, but it's something that they can definitely do.
0: Well, and I kind of want to go back a little bit to the question that Aaron raised before. I think a, a little bit of a clumsy way. Yeah, I know. I was trying to work my way through it. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the better way to do that is what are we, well, now I'm, so in, instead of just like asking a leading question here, I, I'm just going to state this outright, I, I think that a lot of people especially those of us on the left like we've talked about this before a lot we we come to our leftism through empathy and compassion and and the primary driving goal is that we want to we want people to be the best that they can be we we want to we want to create a society that allows people to express themselves in the healthiest way possible that allows them to Um, realize their own goals and so this is like the the position that we're coming from so you know even even a lot of people who are operating within spaces that aren't accessible their goal is to help out people who are disabled and i think that it's a laudable goal but unless what we are doing the ways in which we're doing it and the specific areas that we choose to focus on are informed and led by the people who are affected by it most, I think that we can end up often doing more harm than good. And so I think that for a specific example, if we want to make our spaces, if if we want to help out autistic people, if we're trying to do that in a way that we're not in communication and with the the assistance and leadership of people who are autistic, we can end up uh, replicating the same systems of oppression that we see in the broader society. Yeah. So I, I, you know, in, in the vein of ruthless critique, I don't know if you were familiar with it, but there was an issue relatively recently within the DSA about the Medicare for all working group, being kind of ableists in the way that they were going about organizing. And I was wondering if there are sort of other issues similar to that or that, that you have seen or experienced personally. And maybe if we can kind of explicate the ways in which we're sort of like failing to, to meet the meet the needs within our own organizations of people who have autism or other disabilities uh, and, the ways in which we can actually sort of materially work to uh, affect changes that are positive for, for all of our communities.
1: Well, I mean, like the thing with like, to say, it was like, you need to like ask, because all of us have different needs. One thing that is definitely great, honestly, that I focus on is transportation. Like, one organization I've worked with, California Homemakers Association, that's done a lot of good. That's locally in Santa Rosa. They pick people up. They let, drive people there, and that actually does a lot for people who can't get to places easily. Which for a while was me, because I could. I used to only do the take the bus places because driving was going to be difficult. So I didn't until I needed to for school, get my driver's license and stuff. Another thing, um, make sure there's always, like, someone that takes down notes or, like, something like that. Because for me, I have auditory processing issues. So, like, if there's a long meeting or somebody saying a long thing, I'm not going to get it all. I'm not going to keep it in my head. It is literally impossible. Like, in a school, I have a note taker. Another thing is give people time to respond and process things They're just like, these are some basic things that I get problems with in general. But, um, I think those are key things. Um, for like transportation, obviously we can't I'll pick everyone that needs drives up. So preparing that would be great. Um, think about bus stop locations and time with that, because thankfully we live in an area that is pretty robust, bus, like public transit, um, Sonoma County Transit especially, but also, like, at least Pedernal Center doesn't have their own. So, like, think about that and maybe not try to pick somebody up at their house, but network with them to see if they can get to a bus station pick them up there or, like, stuff like that. Definitely like the auditory, like there's this um, term in education multimodal, which refers to trying to get um, different, use different techniques at once. So like if I ever share a video, I hunt down transcripts or like make it. So there is someone at meetings, make sure there is somebody that's analyzing, picking out the key points. So, in my case, um, I'll be able to participate as much as I can, but at the end, if there's somebody that's like taking notes, like, here's the important details, that's going to make it so I can actually use that information because my mind can't retain it at all. I think that's it at the moment.
2: (laughs) Okay. So these suggestions. I'm trying to just figure out how you would like gauge certain needs. So I don't know if it's putting out the question, like, would it help to say, how can we make, say, our meetings, for example, um, more accessible or digestible? And um, are people having transportation issues? And if so, how can we or- Like, so our first DSA meeting here, we got someone to translate uh, a Spanish translator. And she was amazing, and it was great. And about three quarters of the way through the meeting, we realized nobody was Spanish only in the room, and so it was like, okay. So we're we're like, we'll keep this on hand, this um, in case you know we do need it. But uh, how do we sort of? Know where to put the resources, con- considering it's just, you know, for example, it's a small chapter. Um, most of these things are really not that hard. You just have to be aware that there's a need. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if you
1: provide things like this, mm-hmm. and people don't need it. Yeah. I can't imagine that other people would not benefit from maybe having notes. Right. So, like, that's the right. thing with like, accessibility things is that they often benefit people in various ways. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has auditory processing issues, but people might want to go back and like, look, it's like, oh, these are important things we talked about. Just like have those specific things mm-hmm. that wouldn't have the issues. So like if the thing with like supports like these is that even if you have them and they're not being used, then there's no negative like side effect mm-hmm. but if you have them and there's somebody who needs it you're doing a world of difference because okay. like it was like for the dsa meeting that i went to somebody didn't wasn't able to come and ask me how what happened and like i was able to get some of the basic things down but they were sick and if for instance somebody took keynotes or like took down all the different things that happened they would have an there, there are a lot of things that like society benefits from mm-hmm. that just disabled people or people other marginalizations will just benefit from more
0: i think that another example of this which you kind of brought up earlier was would be people with physical or mobility disabilities benefit greatly from you know expanded public transportation but that also greatly helps the rest of us as well in, in terms of uh, having our our infrastructure built in a way that is, you know, pedestrian friendly, community friendly, that is more environmentally sustainable. So it's, it's you know, like you said, it's not just that we need to have more public transportation for people with uh, physical disabilities. It greatly benefits them, but it also benefits everybody else. So So the more that we can make our spaces, our communities more accessible to the people who have the hardest time getting into it. You're just making it easier for everybody else to get into it as well.
1: Like, another thing was like having access to people who might be able to pick people up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: having less cars going to the same place and having less people needing to find parking is also a lot more environmentally friendly. So maybe having those. You might not have mobility impaired people. If you do, you're going to make it so they can get mm-hmm. to a place. But also for non-mobility impaired people, carpooling is great. We all can agree on that. Everyone benefits
2: from you that. You get to know your comrades the You car. get to know your
1: comrades. You have a lot less frustration over parking mm-hmm. spots, which right. I am honestly very, very familiar with. As is every Sonoma State student, because <laughs> holy. Sh- um, yeah, parking is bad on campus, yeah. and it
0: got it got worse when they uh, built some of the new buildings because they took over some of the parking lot and didn't build any more. Yeah, and it's a commuter college.
1: Like I've had to go, I've had to go through seven different parking spots before class.
0: Yeah, the the people the people at Sonoma State are coming from like upwards of 30, 40 miles away on a daily commute, so it's a lot of cars.
1: Yeah. A proof of this is like, you know, all these ridiculous on scene as seen on TV things mm-hmm. like Snuggies and the like, mm-hmm. all of those things are made for disabled people, hmm. but they have ads to that appeal to an abled audience. Things which might seem lazy to help people like make cooking a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. Things that seem like lazy people are actually for people who can't cook. Mm. Snuggies can go in wheelchairs and provide warmth that way. Um, so, like, a lot of the th- a lot of things that help disabled people help you, too. Right. And having those supports in place to help disabled people is going to radically change for us, but it's going to help you. Mm-hmm. So, that's why, like, accessibility culture, like, having that would be beneficial to everyone. So, always, like, there might not be the need. Mm-hmm. There might not be the key need for people, But it's going to help you, and it's going to help people that don't have the specific need. Okay.
2: So, I'm purposely trying to play the part of the person. Yeah. Well, no, not devil's advocate. The person who is just not aware and wants to know. Trust Um, me, I appreciate it because a lot of people aren't aware. And everything you said has been, like, things I haven't even thought of from that angle. Like, oh, yeah, this is just going to make our meetings better. And I've never heard the the phrase accessibility culture.
1: I kind of um, created that. It's good though. It it's really good is term.
2: because it's it's a heading under which there are these various things. Everything you've gone over has just been a good idea in general, like what you're saying. Um, so, I guess, what are some resources for people um, now that we've pointed out the the benefit and. Um, the reasons to do it, whether or not you know of an immediate need, what are some resources for people? Because these these things, while they're all good ideas, they didn't necessarily occur to me, or if they did, they were in a long list of other stuff we should do. Well does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, look for like like autism is kind of screwed. But there's disabled organizations. I mean if you actually if you wanted to look up autism stuff, look up the Autistic self advocacy Network because that's our autistic organization. But, like, there are a lot of resources. Our voices are not often heard in public discourse easily, but we're out there. There's, for autism, a gigantic community of bloggers. But there's also, like, people talking about dis- disability issues. Um, just always my recommendation would be to make sure that the writer is disabled themselves because quite often that happens is that there's a lot of people speaking for us and over us. Autism, people like to say we're voiceless and not all nonverbal, and so um, they can talk for us and, like, say things. But, like, so, like, it's also definitely, like, make sure the person you're reading is disabled. But, yeah, just... Just look, Google, like, because, like, there are a lot of us, and we, not all of us can come to a meeting, but the computer, like, internet has honestly been the greatest gift to the disability community at large because, well, I mean, the thing with disabled merch specifically is that there are no disabled neighborhoods, there's, like, if you're black, quite often, like, not everyone grows up in a black neighborhood, but there are black neighborhoods. Um, so, a disabled community largely exists on the internet because that connects people globally. So, like, I'm connected with a lot of like, autistic activists in Britain and Australia that I would never meet. So, like, that's definitely something to check out. Because there's people who have spoken and written a lot better than I have. Like, I'm just in the um, special position of having been um, more active in the left, so make it so you can hear me. But um, there's a lot of people to hunt down who have made it, like, made this their main focus in their work.
0: Well, and if I can piggyback a little bit off of what you were saying, is you know coming from it, coming at this from the other side as as someone who was, you know, extremely ignorant in a lot of these things, and you know we all grow up in this really ableist and you know bigoted society, you know, trying to trying to figure out ways to, to sort of like get past that. I I think the one of the biggest things is just to realize that just because someone has a, a disability or is neurotypical that like that's it doesn't mean that they can't be an advocate for themselves that they can't be involved it might be the the involvement might be in a little bit of a different way you know a, a lot of times it will require those of us who are abled and neurotypical to give space for that but you know i think the fundamental thing is just to realize that everybody can be involved in this there are very few people for whom there is no space and i can't think of any i i don't know that that person exists for whom there just is no space for them to be involved in their own liberation
1: most definitely and like we have like disabled rights movement um has been fighting hard in silence and that being ignored is consistently felt like i'm glad i'm able to be here right now the enormity of me being (laughs) the main like autistic voice uh gets to me often honestly because uh Back before I entered leftist circles, I was just a small fish in a big pond and quite happy about that. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of people that speaking about this a lot better than I am. Um, and I'm a lot better when writing because <laughs> uh, um, verbal stuff is difficult. Um, another thing like phone calls... Not only are those they're impossible for those who are nonverbal, which I want to make clear that um, there's a lot of nonverbal people that there's this conception that just because you can't speak, you don't have anything to say. But there's a lot of people who would be able to contribute with typing. Like I have a good friend, fellow activist, Ms. Quensia. That is nonverbal autistic. So, phone calls and stuff, not only can they not participate in that, also for me, they're crushing anxiety that screws me up sometimes for days after. And if I was, like, if I was, like, phone calls to representatives are difficult um, because, oh, there's so much writing on that. Um, so, like, um, maybe even if you're making calls to action where you're like having phone calls, like giving a phone number, uh, maybe also put an email. Um, might be good too. Just, just saying because that's what I can do without um, being screwed up. Or also another thing would be good that would be good is provide scripts. Provide like this is what this is a person to call, but this is what you should say because that would be—that's great. Because then at least we have a guide we can rely on. It's not just, "Hey, call this very important person with the whole entire movement writing on you." It's, it's no big deal, right? Eh, mental screaming. Um, well, and we all need
0: those, I think. Yeah. Um, for those for those of us who who haven't and you know I was in that same situation where I hadn't ever done that before and I didn't know how and you know the first couple of times having that script made me feel like I had something to hold on to talking to this person who you know culturally were inculcated to see as like powerful and that you know that that gave me uh, a place where I felt like I had a little bit of something to hold on to that I could, you know, talk back to them and, and make sure that I am heard as well. So, you know, a- again, it's it's not just people who are autistic or have anxiety. It's all of us who benefit by by helping out those who are the most marginalized. Yeah. So we're rolling up on about an hour, and I think that we've gotten a lot out of this conversation, but I just kind of want to throw it over to you. What are the things that that we might have, like, Glossed over or maybe missed uh, in this conversation that, w- that we should end on?
1: Um, honestly, the whole entire mentioning auditory processing, I can't really like. Can you recite that. the
2: whole hour verbatim? No, right I can't. <laughs> One, two, three, go. <laughs> I can't really recite the
1: things that I think should have been sure. covered because I can't keep in my head everything that was covered. I think it went pretty well. Uh, I, I, I think it went very well. So
2: much. I mean, honestly, like this has been. I'm really glad I was here. Um, and it really, it really changed the way I look at a lot of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll
1: I, give my email to put so like, cause like I'm very good with like, so like if people who are listen, who are listening to this, want to like contact me, I'll give you my email. Um, because. I'm very good at providing information myself, but also sleuthing for resources from other people. And I'd be glad to help because this is, there's a lot of potential for the left to be a lot better because there is a desire to be more accessible um, and a recognized need. But when you're, disabled people are generally ignored and not heard it makes it hard which i fully recognize so yeah so i'll give that if you want to contact me and also give my uh um social media things and stuff to contact because for people who hear this and are like this is important but what do i do because i'll be
2: able to be a lot more articulate that way also so <laughs> good good um I don't know if you want to wrap it up, but I was a little curious about the autism speaks thing. So they're like the biggest, they are the
1: biggest organization. But in addition to the, that ad, then there was another ad called I am autism, which had a stalkerish voice that had talked about how autism ruins marriages, bankrupts families, makes it can't go anywhere without despair, spare pain. Um, all first person. That was great. Um, they also spend 3% on family services, 69% on fundraising, lobbying, and advertising, like those wonderful ads. Um, and
0: the nonprofit industrial complex. Right.
1: The next part that's spent is on research for the cause and the cure. Although they found a um, thesaurus when their founder died, and now says cause and solutions. Well, as I point out, the main other organization that I've worked with, Relay for Life, for Life, American Cancer Society, is looking for the cause and the cure of cancer. The reason they're looking for the cause of cancer, additional cure, is because they want to prevent it from existing, and considering that autism speaks literally. That I am autism ad. The second one literally says it's faster than direct AIDS cancer combined. That's their goal too. Except when you're trying to prevent people of neurology, that's literally eugenics. So when a fundraiser in Canada almost had a neo-Nazi group walk before people did a Google search and showed that the soldiers of Odin Um, which should have been a (laughs) tip-off were in fact a neo-Nazi organization and then like there's really an article Autism Speaks how long does it take to look into it because of that no autistic activist was surprised that they almost had Nazis at their walk because eugenics of a feather fly together so yeah so that's the main thing for me has been um, Autism Speaks I've written five different articles. I'm also going to make, um, I did it last year, and I'm going to make it again, a guide for, because um, a lot of businesses next month, I'm not looking forward to it because, um, it's when everyone's laying it blue and stuff, a lot of different businesses will, um, have fundraisers or not for Autism Speaks, and the like. So um, I'll turn an article this time. It was a basic guide for people on how to get people to not support them, because like ASAN, the organization Au A network, which, if you do want to help autistics this month, this coming month, um, that is the organization that I would 100% recommend supporting um they have a flyer that they made specifically talking about autism speaks um breaking down the stuff which I've talked about that could be printed out and given to people and um but yeah I'll make that again um to uh hopefully educate people on not only the problems with them but also like how you can take that into physical action because this next month um, is like is called Hell Month by a lot of us, um, because it's when um, everyone is laying at blue, and their puzzle pieces and different um, companies have month-long partnerships, and it's like that hatred that they have for us focused to a pinpoint. To the point where it's inescapable. Um, I met, well, I mean, I did escape it by gaming the whole entire month. Um, last year. Um, because, like, I was told myself, like, I'm going to write articles, I'm going to do stuff. But it just got too much to me that I ended up um, putting myself in Secret of Legends, the game I'm playing. Um, instead of dealing with the actual world. <laughs>
0: understandable yeah um somebody else that that comes up when a lot of people you know a lot of well-intentioned people are trying to learn more about like autism and, and these kinds of things is temple grandin and that actually came up at one of our recent social events
1: and yes um, so um temple grandin is yeah she is the what i call the famous autistic it capitalized when i'm typing um, but she's actually, uh, how do I put this? Horrible. Um, because, um, she's one of this, like, variety of activists called the Aspie supremacists, which is, um, people, like, for instance, for me, um, something didn't cover functioning labels are this ridiculous binary because, um, calling someone like us quote unquote high functioning people our um, weaknesses and stuff are ignored. And also our ability to look high functioning, look more neurotypical, which is what it means, is actually something that takes a lot of mental stress and is draining as hell. And low-functioning, I just, like, consider calling somebody low-functioning, and how is that not shit? But there's some people, including Tom Grandin, who go the exact opposite of me. Um, They consider Asperger's, which is just a synonym for high-functioning autism, also named after a Nazi scientist, but that's another thing. Don't use it. Um, They think that Asperger's is the second like is the next stage of human evolution, which the anthropologist in me hates because evolution is not a stepladder, it is totally chaotic. There's no next there's no next step. And they devalue which she has done multiple times in her books, lower functioning autistics. They don't consider them the same species. So she's done that multiple times. One of her famous speeches is the world needs all kinds of minds which I actually, I'll link you to the article too. I wrote an article called The Revolution Needs All Kinds of Minds on the ableist social activism, um, where I covered that aspect a lot more. She talks about like how the world needs autistic minds, but she ends it with this, like, by this year you should do, say, teach that they should be able to do this thing and that. And it's like, if the world needs all kinds of minds, why are you basically telling people that autistics all have the same one and have are going to be able to do the same things at same times. So yeah, so she's actually terrible, um, but because of her background, she ended up in the spotlight, which we really shouldn't be putting so much focus on people just because they're circusing. So there's another thing. But yeah, I could easily name... A lot of different autistics that you should look into or list them in something that people could actually um, look at the website if you want.
0: Yeah, I I I think the easiest way to do that would be to if you have an article or a website that that lists a lot of the different resources and and the kinds of information or connections that that they can provide. Uh, I, I would definitely would like that for the show so that you know, people who are listening to this who who feel like, hey, this is these are a lot of good points. We need to start doing this more in our own or if they just have a curiosity for, you know, its own sake to understand better the, the comrades that that we're trying to work with. So if you could provide that and, you know, other other things that you might have written or, you know, like you said, the this, this social media uh, I, I think that would be very helpful for our audience so that they can, um, you know, interact and and take this take this further, because I, I think that while this has been a really a really good and, and wide ranging uh, discussion, I, I think that this is really just sort of like the tip of the iceberg of, of a much it bigger and broader is. topic. Yeah. All right. Well, I, th- I think that that's a great spot that that we can wrap it up. I really want to thank you for um, joining us and, and providing your insight. ...into this topic so that people really understand, you know, sort of what's at stake and, and what we need to be doing better uh, within our own spaces and in society more broadly. So, yeah. And for, for our audience listening, if you would like to find more resources that our, our comrade here has alluded to and talked about, we'll put links into their social media uh, accounts and ways to get a hold of them and other similar resources so that so that you can you know sort of take this into your own spaces so thank you for coming on signing off i am as always tiberius crocus i'm aaron and i'm Garrett winters go in peace and be in solidarity comrades